Well, we're on a journey through the book of Revelation, uh, written by John, who was sent to a remote island, and there he received this vision, this message from God, and he was told to write it down. And we have been looking at some of what, uh, what Jesus told John to write down to the churches. And we're at week, uh, week five. We've been on a little tour of four other places so far. We've been to Ephesus in week one, then Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, and today we reach the fifth stop on our little journey around the churches of, of uh, Revelation at Sardis. Now, Sardis was really well known for being a really busy, really successful church. But actually, deep down, they were not very good at following what God wanted them to do, what Jesus was asking them to do, and obeying him. They looked good from the outside. They had a reputation for being good, they, but actually were making some poor choices in the way that they were choosing not to obey Jesus in their own lives. It was all about being seen to be successful on the outside, but at the heart, underneath it all, things were not as they should have been. It was a bit like this picture, which will come up in a moment. On the right, perhaps we imagine that that is going to be the carrot that you want to pull up and eat. The one that looks most impressive. I don't know if any of you have ever grown carrots and found this to be close to the reality. Well, actually, Jasper and I, we've been growing some carrots in the garden last summer. And actually, it's not always the ones with the biggest leaves when you come to pull them out, which are the biggest carrots underneath. Often... The ones which don't look quite so impressive above the surface actually have a lot more when you come to dig down. This is a bit like the church at Sardis. Everything above the surface looked like it was going well, but underneath, things weren't quite as they had appeared. Now, I've got a bit of a visual aid. Does anybody know what this is that I've got here? What's this? In fact, I've got a little basket of these, which I'll give to the, to the children over here to have a little explore of. What's this that I'm holding up? Let me give you some of these to explore over here. Seashell. It's a seashell. You're right. It's a shell. Do you know, the thing about a shell is, and I don't know if you found this, but when you're looking for shells and things at the beach, you don't always know whether it's an empty shell or whether there's something living in it, do you? Some shells look really impressive. Look at this one. Isn't that beautiful? Some shells are really beautiful from the outside. This shell here, look at this. Isn't this amazing? This shell here, it's beautiful. But how do you know whether there's something inside the shell when you find a shell at the beach? How do you know if it's an empty shell or if it's a shell that has something living inside it. Well, does anyone have any ideas? How do you know? When you go and prod a shell, what happens if something is living inside it? It responds, doesn't it? If if it's a snail in the garden, if you tap its shell, it will move or it it will do something. But if it's an empty shell, if something is not living in it, 
It doesn't respond, does it? That's the difference between a shell that's empty and a shell which has something living in it, is does it respond? That's the difference. If the thing inside the shell is dead, or not there at all, or asleep, it doesn't respond. But if the thing there is alive and awake, it does respond. That's like the church at Sardis. From the outside, it looked like everything was right. But when Jesus was knocking on the shell, nothing was happening. The church was not responding with obedience to what God wanted them to do, what Jesus wanted them to do. Verse 3 of Revelation 3 says this, Don't forget what you've received and heard. Obey it. Change your hearts and lives. Wake up. That's what Jesus says to the church. He says, wake up and come to life. Because the church had forgotten who Jesus was and they'd become like this shell. Just a hollow, empty thing. There wasn't anything alive at the centre. Perhaps when we think about obeying Jesus, that word obey seems like quite a heavy word quite a tricky word sometimes to think about, doesn't it? Obeying Jesus. Maybe we think that Jesus is going to want us to stop doing the things which are going to make our life fun or stop doing the things that we enjoy because often obeying feels like being told not to do the things that you want to do, really, the things that you feel are going to be best for you. And you're told to obey, and that means don't do those things that you like doing and do things that you probably don't like doing quite as much. But actually, obeying Jesus is quite different from obeying other people in the world. Because obeying Jesus actually is the biggest adventure of life that you could possibly imagine. Obeying Jesus doesn't take away from our lives, but actually brings us to life. Obeying Jesus stops us becoming like this hollow, empty shell and keeps us truly alive. I wonder if we could have the next picture up on the screen. I wonder if anybody knows who this is. Who's this person here? Bear Grylls, well done. Does anybody know what Bear Grylls does for a job? It's a strange thing to do for a job. He's an explorer. That's right. He's an explorer and an adventurer. But do you know, this is what Bear Grylls said about adventure. He says, faith has been my wildest adventure. Obeying Jesus, who is at the heart of the Christian faith, is the wildest, most radical adventure that you could ever go on. Isn't that an amazing thing? A man whose job it is to go all around the world on adventures says that following Jesus is the biggest adventure of his life. As Christians, we are called to go on that adventure with Jesus. We're called not to just float through life like an empty shell, but we're called to go on a journey towards fullness of life with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says in John uh, 14. If we want to know what it means to be truly alive, 
then obeying and living life with Jesus is the way to find out. The biggest adventure that you could ever go on is the adventure of following and obeying Jesus. So how do we follow and obey Jesus? How do we learn to respond to him so that we know that we're not like this empty shell that doesn't respond, but we know that when Jesus knocks, we will respond? How do we stop ourselves from becoming dried out, empty, dead things like this and keep ourselves alive? Well, has anybody ever played the game Simon Says? Yeah? Shall we play it now? (laughs) If I said Simon Says, put your hands on your head, you put your hands on your head. If I said Simon Says, put your hands on your nose, or your fingers on your nose, put your hands on your ears, oh, I didn't say Simon Says. (laughs) Simon Says, put your hands on your ears. Exactly. It's not a tricky game to play because you listen to what is being said, and if Simon is saying it, then you do it. And if it's not Simon, then you don't do it. But it would be very difficult, wouldn't it, if I, if I didn't say anything, if I didn't tell you the instructions, if I just said absolutely nothing, you wouldn't know. It wouldn't be a very fun game at all, would it? Playing Simon Says without any instructions would be impossible. When we hear the instructions, we're able to do it. So how do we hear what God wants us to do so that we can respond and actually do it? Because more important than Simon Says is certainly Jesus Says. If you were going to play Simon Says, well, maybe Simon doesn't really mind (laughs) whether or not you do it. Some of those things aren't so important in that game. But actually, the things that Jesus tells us to do, if we fail to obey them properly, then we miss out on following that adventure of life with Jesus. So we find out the things that he wants us to do by, first of all, reading about him and about what he tells us to do in the Bible. So if you're struggling to know what is it that obeying Jesus means, well, he hasn't left us clueless He's given us instructions, just like Simon says. This book contains what God wants us to do with our lives. So if we read just a little bit of the Bible each day and open our heart and ask God, what is it that you want me to do today? Then we can learn to live that adventure of life with Jesus. So we can look through that. And I said just asking Jesus as well in prayer So as we come to God, we ask him, we say, God, what is it that you want me to do? And when we hear that prompt from God, we actually do it. We learn to actually respond so that we're not like that shell which looks impressive from the outside, but actually is just dead. But we're like a thing which is truly alive on the inside, which responds to God's call to us. The problem with the church at Sardis was they had heard from God. They had heard what God had called them to do, but they weren't doing it. Let me just find it here. It says, you have a name for being alive, but you are dead. You have a name for being alive, but actually you're dead. They had forgotten 
to respond to what Jesus was calling them to do. They weren't able to live the life even though they were trying to look impressive from the outside because they were ignoring what Jesus was calling them to. That was the problem with the church at Sardis. They just didn't actually do it. They had heard what they were called to, but they just weren't doing it for some reason. Perhaps they were too busy with other things. Perhaps they thought they were too important. Perhaps they thought there was other things that they needed to be getting on with other than listening to and obeying Jesus. But they'd forgotten that actually that is the main thing. That's the only thing, really, that matters. Are we listening to and obeying Jesus? Just like playing Simon Says with someone who's asleep or someone who is not alive, when you give the instructions, that person doesn't respond. Being alive and awake to Jesus is what we need to be as a church, so that when we hear the instruction, we respond. The church at Sardis had so much that looked right about it, but at the heart, there was nothing alive. Jesus doesn't want them to stay like that. He says, wake up. He says, there's still enough left. Come to life. He's calling them back to life, calling them to wake up so that they can respond to what he is calling them to do. He's giving them the chance to change. And that is the challenge, I think, in this passage to us. Are we a church? Are we people who are alive and awake to what Jesus is calling us to? Or are we like this dried out shell, which looks lovely, but actually is dead? How do we know whether we're this kind of shell or whether we're an alive creature? It's whether or not we can respond to Jesus. So, do you know what God is calling you to today as an individual? Do you know what the call is in your life that Jesus is asking you to obey him in? And if you don't, ask him. Read some of the Bible and pray to God that he would show you what is it that you want me to do. And then, here's the real test, actually, let's try and do it. Because hearing it and not doing it, at best we're probably asleep, at worst, maybe dead. But if we're alive to Jesus and awake to Jesus, then hearing will lead to responding to him. We're coming up in just over two weeks' time to the beginning of Lent, the season of Lent. And in Lent, we focus on the inside We focus on the inside, our inner life. And it's a time of preparation before Easter when we can say, actually, how is our spiritual life? Let's use these 40 days of Lent to reflect on how are we doing in our adventure with God. We're working on the inside during Lent. Perhaps we feel that we're doing okay on the outside. It all looks right. But on the inside, we're beginning to go to sleep or we're beginning to die. Well, let's use these 40 days of Lent 
to work on our inner spiritual life that we might know that when Jesus calls us, we are ready to respond. If you feel a little bit like you're going to sleep in your spiritual life, then the call of Jesus is wake up. Wake up that you might live for him. We're going to be, during Lent, studying together a series called Confidence from LICC, uh, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. And uh, that seven-week course will be um, six-week, seven-week? I can't remember now. That's terrible, isn't it? Um, That course, anyway, will be um, helping us to think about what it means to live confidently for Jesus in this world, to live for him and to speak for him, so that we're not just dried up and hollow and empty shells, but we are truly alive uh, in this world. So uh, living lives that may, are made fully alive by Christ, that life to the full that he, he focuses on in uh, John. We might be his witnesses, we might give him glory in the world, and not just look impressive like a shell that's actually dead, but be alive and responsive to what he calls us to. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing again. Father God, thank you that you came to wake us up and bring us to life. Life in all its fullness. We ask that you would help us to be a church and to be people who are alive and awake to you, Lord, following you on the adventure of life with obedience. Thank you that life following you is the most exciting and wonderful adventure that we could ever hope for. Father God, wake us up where we're sleepy and bring us to life as only you can. In the places that we have lost our our life, our spark, Lord, would you bring us to life? We want to live for you and speak for you in this world. To shine for you in this world, Lord. So enable us and equip us by your Holy Spirit to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.